0: Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? So good to see all of you. So glad that you're here with us today. If you're new with us today, welcome to Hill City Church. Um, We're so excited that you're here with us today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray. We're going to get started today. God, I just thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for who you are, God, and we thank you that you are true to who you say you are, God. We can stand firm on your word. We can stand firm on your promises, God, of who you say you are and what you say you're going to do. God, we love you so much. We just invite you into the service today, Lord. We've come to meet with you here today, Jesus, so come meet with us. We love you so much. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Amen, go ahead and stand with us today. So many other things in life that falter. So many other things in life that fall through. God, you are the one constant. You are the one thing, God. You are the one thing that is always true. Always there. God, you never leave us, you never forsake us. We thank you, God. We thank you for that love today. We thank you for your presence, for your Holy Spirit, God, that you gave to us as a gift. We receive it today, Lord. We receive that gift today. We thank you, Jesus.
1: Love A prayer.
0: Spent a little time with him this morning. ¡Gracias!
2: seconds. God, we worship you, Father God. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Your grace, God. Your mercy, God. Your life, God. Not us today, Father. Be big in this place, Jesus. God, we make you big this morning, Father. Amen. 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 You guys can be seated. Some of you might be saying, why are we clapping in a church like that? (laughs) We want to make God big. Amen? Amen. And um, Man, I was just thinking about that song. Welcome to Hill City Church. I'll talk about it in a second. Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so humble that you guys come to worship with us. Um, And it's because of you we're this church. Amen? And uh, welcome. Um, If if this is your first time, won't make you uh, stand up and come stand next to me. That might be kind of embarrassing. Um, But if you have any questions, uh, we have our our beautiful cafe back there. Um, And any of our leaders would love to get to know you, answer any questions you may have. And um, yeah, God is good. Mm. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to come into a worship service and you, you, you see these words and, and I was just thinking that that, se- that second song, the breath in our lungs. I think sometimes as Christians, we, we believe that um, you guys can come forward, the, the ushers, the beautiful ushers. Give our ushers a hand. They're all very good looking, especially this guy. He's the best looking, sorry guys but John looks good without his his beard fell off. My daughter, I had a beard, she says, Dad, your beard fell off in the trash can. Like, I know, I shaved, no, 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 that's where I put my clippings. Anyway, can you put it back on? No, I can't. Although I kind of look like a little, little rough this morning. Um, but I was thinking, if you start with the premise that it's my life and I'm giving of my life, you will always be disappointed and you will feel like I'm giving and um, it's not for, it's, it's for others and, and, I'm, and you're going to like peter out, you're going to exhaust yourself, but if you start with the premise that it's God, it's your breath and my lungs it's you first, you created life, not just breath, but blood, cells right, skin, like I know it sounds I'm not trying to be like anatomical here <laughs> but if you start with the premise that life is, is it, God gave that in the first place, then everything that you give is just giving back do you understand that? And if you start with the saying it's my life and whatever I give, I give, you're gonna give the leftovers, and that's just the way it is, right? And I, and it, it, I was, I, I work with, um, I, I get to work with some some people who who get status on airlines. Does anybody have status? Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody? Cool. All right, we're all on the same page. Good. But they get status, and what that means is they travel a lot, right? Marriott, United, Delta, American Express. And it's funny to listen to my friends, and I, I, don't, I don't judge them, but they, well, maybe I do a little bit. But um, I don't judge them, but, no. Um, but they, they get in this weird phase where they're like, you go into the airline now and you get TSA pre-check or you get clear, You everyone know what clear is? Clear is like, hey, do you know who I am, you know? And you walk by everything and then they get the red carpet and they get in the front of the plane and they sit down and they say, would you like a hot towel, right? And in co- <laughs> in coach, it's like, um, you know, the, the steward's yelling at you for taking too long to put your bag up, and then you got to sit in the middle, and you're like, I have no room. But it's just that you kind of start to think of yourself as like, I'm kind of a big deal, you know? Like, I can't wait in normal security. And so, anyway, I'm going somewhere with this. It, it's, it's really the premise that I deserve this, right? We feel like entitled, like as Americans, too, like, I deserve this big house, or I deserve, and I'm not saying these things are bad, okay? Please understand what I'm saying. But say, I got it good. Say it emphatically. I got it good. I got it good. Because you have life and you're in here this morning and nothing else. That's it. That's right. We all have friends who are sick, right? We all have friends who would die, not die, but would would gladly take our place this morning, right in this place. And I know not everyone's life is perfect. I know we're all in a mess, right? And there's things going on in everybody's life. But just think of if you if you start in the rest of the service, say, God, it's your breath in my lungs. It's your breath. I'm the reason, you're the reason I'm even alive this morning, standing, breathing, seeing, hearing, whatever the things that they are, right? And so when we sing that song, we say, God, it's your breath in my lungs, and I give everything back. I pray we don't just suck in that air and just hold it back. Sorry, John, I'm not trying to get too serious here, but I pray that when we let it out, we just say, God, it's your breath in my lungs, and I just, just just give it out because it's his breath. It's his life that he's given to us this morning. So please don't leave this place selfishly keeping back what God gave it to you in the first place. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's be a church that's generous, that gives, that starts with the premise of it's God's, it's his life and he gave it to us in the first place. And we're going to spend every moment of our lives giving it back to him yes. and pouring out. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for this morning. God, for your word. And just like you were saying in Matthew, and I didn't get to read this, but that you came not to be served, but to serve and give your life as a ransom for many. And God, you showed us that, you modeled that, God. And so this morning, this church, Hill City Church, I pray that we would demonstrate and personify those things, God, that you you showed us almost 2,000 years ago, God, on how to live. That we start with the premise that life is given to us. And God, we came, we were born, God, we were raised up, our chains are gone, God, so that we may give life, God, that we may shout out our lungs and empty, God, everything that you gave to us, Father, we thank you for this church, we thank you for the gospel, we thank you for Jesus Christ this morning, your love and your grace, God, and this morning we make you big, we love you, we worship you, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good
3: morning, how are you guys?
4: last week's message, please go back. Check, I'll just do this. Check, check. All right. Ooh. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, that's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But I, I really believe that more than anything in it because most of our theology, most of the way we view God actually comes from TV. Like you, you think it doesn't, you're like, oh no, I I read the I read the the, the Bible, like I, I read about Jesus once, right? it's no most of our theology and the way we think about jesus actually comes from like media and 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 television and what you what you hear and then we get this weird view of jesus right because you your friends say a certain thing and i just want us to get reintroduced to who jesus says he is because we know what everyone else says he is we there's even there's even shirts that says, Jesus is my homeboy, or Jesus is this, or Jesus is that. I'm telling you, I want us to know who Jesus is in the Bible, what he said about us, what he said about himself, and what he said about sin and salvation. And the real Jesus, and, and, and the, the, it, I'm really learning this, doesn't fluff anything up, not even a little bit. I wish he would. I wish he was just like, oh, you know, like, like mama bear Jesus, but he comes out like I was telling the team today, I was like, he comes out like Miley Cyrus, like, like a wrecking ball, right? Sometimes he's just on this wrecking ball and he's just breaking through and he's trying to break through the walls that we build up. And, that's, and, I, and, 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 and I'm okay with that because if that's what God wants to do in my life, if they, I built walls and things that keep us distant, I want anything that keeps me away from Jesus, I want that broken down. And I hope that's you too. Because if Jesus is real and God is real and He wants to get into your life, don't let anything in your life hold you back because it's the best thing for you. you just don't know it yet. And you'll hear me say that a couple of times. What God wants to do in your life when it is the best thing for you, the reason that we speak, the reason we put a church together, the reason we set up, the reason we go crazy sometimes in the mornings here, and you don't not everyone knows how crazy today's setup was but it was this wild. The reason we do it is because we really believe that Jesus is the best thing for you. And that if you can get a glimpse of who he is, he can radically transform your life, not for your glory, but for his glory. And it's even better that way, that it's for his right it gives you purpose for life when it's about you you lose purpose when it's just about you and you building your kingdom and you trying to become king at some point you'll feel like you got what you wanted and still be empty that's the story we hear constantly constantly right we i say that quote for jim carrey that i wish everyone could be rich and famous so that one day they could find out that it's not it it's not it and so I believe that today we need to meet Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 4. We celebrate the word of God here. We believe it reveals Christ, his message, and it changes our life. So we're going to deconstruct this very familiar parable. It's called the parable of the sower. You could call it the parable of the hearer. There's a, But it's really, the. Uh, I've never studied it this way. And so I'm going to tell you as we deconstruct this, we really need to get to a place where we just, do we trust God? And that's a, a big place. Do we trust God? And let's jump into this parable like you've never read it before. Even though you read, many of you read it many times. But I'm going to read Mark chapter 4 verse 1. It says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd Beside the sea on land, so what what's happening is here. Jesus comes out. He comes out to the sea, right? He's and then people just follow Jesus. I don't know why this happens, but people follow who he is. So he's like, oh man, but they, they're not wanting all the time what he's wanting. So he's coming out, and they're kind of seeing is is this guy for real? Is he just some sort of freak show? Is he just like my, he's saying good things? So people come out. So people are following him, and he there's so many people on the beach. He gets on to on, on a boat facing the crowd so he's facing the crowd right and you can just imagine a sea of people on the beach and all throughout the ministry people follow jesus crowds of people they said jesus last last week we talked about how jesus couldn't even eat his meal because there are so many people in his house right they're like he's like i wish you would get out but but all right let's handle business right and there were the crowds would come on the street and crowds would fill the hillside whole towns came out to see jesus even five days before jesus was executed on the cross it says that the city of jerusalem everyone came out to see who jesus was shouting hosanna hosanna you're the king hosanna to the highest that's what it means throwing their palm branches on the ground before him thousands of people just imagine just like I don't, I don't know if you were there for the uh, Broncos parade when they won the Super Bowl, anyone there? Right? There was a lot of people, right? Just raise your hands if you were there. I can't believe all of you guys skipped work. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but there was thousands and thousands of people out there, and that's how I imagine this moment with Jesus. There's these thousands of people there singing Hosanna, just shouting Hosanna, throwing branches, saying Jesus is king. Thousands of people repenting at some level and saying I want you Jesus confessing Jesus as Lord You are King Jesus and the crazy part is what happened to them five days later? What happens when it really mattered what happened to their love their passion their commitment to Jesus? When with I believe the same people who cried Hosanna 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 on Monday were the ones shouting crucify him crucify him on Friday and then you wonder, you, you, we say stuff like this, oh, that would never be me. Is that a true statement? Would we ever turn on Jesus like these people turned on Jesus? You, and we're like, no, I'm at church right now because I never would. But this whole parable is about Jesus saying, I beg to differ. So that's how we're going to run into this. Enjoy, right? So let's run. There's four ways that you can respond to Jesus. I'm going to break this down for you, but I'm going to read you a verse in Matthew 7:14, and it says this, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and only a few find it. I've been chewing on this verse all week and it's been messing me up because we, we don't treat our faith this way. We don't believe it's, we, we say, oh, wide is the gate. Anyone can get saved and I believe this is true, but those who hold on to Christ, it says, narrow is the gate the gate isn't this huge thing that everyone goes through and he says difficult is the way to life and only a few find it and it sounds like a very scary statement because it is it really is and we can pretend oh this the statement is uh he's just messing around he's not messing around he's not messing around and so with that's with that in mind there's four ways we can respond to Jesus and let's break that down. Heavenly Father, speak to us today. I pray, open up hearts, open up ears, open up minds. I pray that today they would hear this message and hate it today. Just hate it, God. Because, it, because that's the way we should respond to something like this. It should weigh on us, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah, I've never prayed that prayer, right? But let's read, let's read, verse three. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed. Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it immediately sprang up. That's awesome. And then, since it had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, it scorched it. And since it had no root, it withered away. So that's two seeds, right? The other seed fell on thorns. So I have these seeds in my hand. So the first seed falls on the ground, and it just falls there, and the birds come and eat it. The second seed, right? It goes in just barely and it it doesn't have much root and the sun gets hot and it dies out too. And then it says, the third seed, the other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it, yielding no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30 fold, 60 fold and 100 fold. And he said to them, he Who has ears, let him hear. And I'm gonna say that to us today. He or she who has ears, let them hear. I can imagine after Jesus spoke this message, right? He's like, he spoke this message, and and you are probably thinking the same thing right now. And the people said, Amen, Jesus, that's such a good message. Like That's my favorite of the series, Jesus. Like, I love it. Be good soil. Thanks, Jesus. Now I know what to do. I'm going to become good soil. And they went to have some lunch, right? And went on as business as usual. And then verse 10, it says, but he, when he was alone, those around him, the 12 asked him about the parable. It's funny because uh, because most of the crowd, they left saying, oh, Jesus, that was a good message. But there was a few that says, I don't, I don't really get what you were saying. And Jesus was exactly, he says, he actually says, the reason I spoke this way is so that people wouldn't understand what I was saying. I was like, what does that mean, Jesus? Like, that doesn't make sense. But he said it in that way because he said, I wanted to see who would come back. And he says, there was 12 and there was only a few that said, Jesus, I need to understand what this means. I need to, I I need the seed to go to dig deeper. So they were digging deeper into their own hearts, into their own minds to figure out what Jesus was saying. And it wasn't good enough just to hear the message and say, good message, Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. And then they go on as business as usual. They come back and Jesus looks at them and says, that's, this parable is exactly what I'm talking about. What you guys are doing are exactly what I'm teaching about. Because so many people were content with just the shallow teaching the shallowness of the parable, of it going not not so deep. And so only a few sought out Jesus, but he wanted the word to dig down deep. But it takes some of us to say, Jesus, I have no idea what you're talking about. I need you. I need to dig deeper, to take root, to grow. I need life transformation. I just don't want a a message. I need transformation in my, my life. I need greater intimacy. So they humbly came back to Jesus. And and I believe that this is what we need to do today. We're just not hearing a message. We're asking God, how does this go deeper into my life? And and then I'm going to continue. I'm going to just tell you that what you're going to hear is pretty shocking, what Jesus says about the parable of the soil. And there's four responses to the words of God today, four responses to Jesus' message and Jesus himself. And he says the first response, and he talks about the verses I just read in verse 14 and 50. The sower sows the word of God. He says the seed is the word of God, right? See, the, the word of God is different from any other word. I just want to throw that out there. If you took a rock, right, and you threw it into the ground, I don't care how long you wait, it's not going to grow. There's no power inside the rock within itself to grow. But if you take a seed of some sort, even an acorn, and you plant it into the ground, there is power inside of this, even though it looks like it's nothing and it's weak. There is power inside of this. You, you don't know. You don't know the, I, I guess you, knew, you can see how many seeds are here. There's one seed. But you don't know how many seeds are within a seed. You don't know how much that one seed can, can multiply, can change the world. One seed, one word. I bet in your lives there was a moment that only one word changed the way you viewed something. For my life, there was a, a man that spoke into my life and said, John, you, why do you treat yourself that way? Why do you speak, why do you speak to your, your, about yourself that way? And he, and he started encouraging me and it actually changed the way I thought about myself. There was power in the word. And if there's power in our word, right, because we're made in the image of Christ and the image of God, imagine the power of Jesus' word to bring life. Imagine the power that is in one seed, we think, oh, that's this word. I'm telling you, it's not just the word. This is not just the word that's going to keep you going, like, oh, that was good. No, it, there's, it goes way beyond this moment. So this first response, there's a seed, the word of God, and these, and it's thrown on the wayside where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These are going to be men and women who hear the word of God, the gospel, the grace and mercy of Jesus, and they won't understand it. And instead of seeking it out, and getting to the bottom of it, even though it resonates with them, for whatever reason, they walk away and reject it. That's the first seed. That's the first soil. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. One group hears the word of Jesus, and the message rocks their world, and they start to dig down deep and they're planting that message and it radically changes their life, becoming a transformative power. Yet another group hears the same message in the same moment and they radically reject the message, taking it as foolishness. So that's the first seed. Now there's the second seed, verse 16 and 17. It says, these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, and the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, right? They receive it. They're like, oh, that's so good. And when, But they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then when tribulation and persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. So the first group hears the word, reject it. The second group hears it, receives it, but after a while, then they reject it. Why? And the verse tells us, at first they receive it with joy. They're all in and totally makes sense. And it it feels good, yet when it gets difficult, they're out. They're out. Today in the United States, we don't really face persecution, right? Not like Sudan or in North Korea or even in China. I was reading um, about uh, these ladies that were just uh, imprisoned for years upon years. And she was wondering if how if her children were still alive and just I was just reading her story we don't face persecution in that way for our faith and and we have we have religious freedoms so not many people walk away due to persecution for the word of God but I believe many people walk away due to the persecution from the word of God and what that means is the word of God is too heavy Obedience is too. The cost of obedience is too hard. For example, and I, I'll get in your business. I'll get in mine, of course. In marriage, a Christian couple—they're so in love, and they, of course, they kiss dating goodbye. If you're in your thirties, right? And if you're in your twenties, you're like, "What are you even talking about?" Like in in our thirties, there was a book called "I Kiss Dating Goodbye," and it means you don't date. And uh, and uh, and you court what what and then they made up a way of courting and it was awesome, right? And you like have dates with their parents and stuff. It's like the most awkward thing. I was like, this is fantastic. So when I went to like school, Bible college in uh, in like 2000 and 2001, there all these girls were kissing, dating goodbye, and I wanted to just kiss girls. <laughs> so I was like, what's going on? Why would you kiss dating goodbye? You shouldn't kiss dating goodbye, right? But, uh, but they kiss, dating goodbye, they're in love, this Christian couple, they have this perfect wedding, right? They have this beautiful wedding, but then life gets busy, as we all know, if you've been married for a while, you understand how life can just take you away from everything, with job, free kids two dogs, a house payment, the debt starts building, unless you go to a financial peace university, Franco and Heidi, right? Uh, and and then, uh, then the pressure comes, and then time starts going on, and at some point of your life, you wake up, and you say something like this, my life hasn't ended up the way I thought. He's not meeting my needs, or she's not meeting my needs, or these words, I'm just not happy anymore, and God wants me to be happy, Right? That's in the Bible somewhere. No, it's not. Uh, But, uh, right? Because salvation is about me and my happiness, and God must be about me. And for too long, I believe the church has actually been preaching that message, that salvation is about me and happiness is about me and it's about my happiness. And so at some point, they say, I'm out. I'm out. I know divorce is a commonplace in our culture, and it's a commonplace in the church. And I, I and I and, and it's complex within Christians, and I know marriage is hard. Trust me. I'm married to Candace. Marriage is rough, alright? No, it's Candace is married to me. Marriage is very tough. But God, I just want to tell you this just out loud, and I don't know, I know that we are many of you are in different places, but God hates divorce, man. Amen. God hates divorce. And I know some of you are going through situations. Where, where, where it's, it's got to be, but I want to tell you, bottom line, God hates divorce, and I'm not here to slam you if you're going through divorce or you've gone through divorce, but I'm trying to stop future divorces, thinking that it's based on our, our happiness only. Jesus said what God has brought together, let no man separate. This is a covenant between you, your wife, or you, your husband, and God. It's not a legal contract. You do your part, I do. No, this is a covenant saying, I'm all in, God, and it's unto you. I'm going to go even a little deeper here. Let's mess with more of us, right? It says in Matthew 4, 16, uh, uh, 14, and 15, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I want us to breathe that in. Because we, uh, I think we we take this too lightly and I wonder if this is keeping you away from the God life that God has prepared for you. Forgiveness, according to Jesus, is not optional. I know there's pain and I know there's legitimate pain and they deserve what you're giving them and what you're dishing out. But forgiveness is... To a Christian, it's not optional. Our forgiveness is connected to our forgiving. And if we don't forgive, we don't grasp the cost of our own forgiveness on the cross. We don't grasp our own darkness if we don't forgive. If you're holding on, some of us today, your unforgiveness is keeping you from God, and it's keeping you from going any deeper. And Jesus says, one day, and, and listen, Jesus says, one day, this will lead you to reject me. This will lead you to reject me because it becomes too much and it becomes too hard. And you're like, John, just talk about something else. Talk about Jesus loves me, this I know, or his love endures forever. And, and, and what I'm doing, I am talking about that. So you want me to talk about grace and mercy, but I am talking because His truth is Grace. It's for your joy. You just don't know it right now. I just don't know it right now when you're going through it. And one thing I know for sure is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is absolutely offensive. It's offensive. Jesus told us it would be. They didn't kill Jesus because he was Barney the purple dinosaur. He was like, I love you, you love he, he, Jesus didn't do that, all right? He wasn't Mr. Rogers inviting you to his neighborhood. Right? They didn't kill Jesus because he was that way. They killed Jesus because he was a revolutionary. And the things he said rocked away. It, it really shook the way we were living. It shook us so bad that it, 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 they were like, uh, Jesus, tell us some happy things. And he's like, you know what? His message to us was, you can't. <laughs> you know, the, the message that we hear from churches is that you can. You can do anything. Can, Jesus' was message was like, hey, you can't. You can't get to God on your own. You can't, you, your goodness can't save you. Your sins will catch up to you. You are in need of a Savior. And this upset both the religious and the non-religious. He, he, was, he, 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 he hit both sides, right? So Jesus told us that this would happen, that at some point the weight of God's obedience, the weight of the word would make us reject him. So the third response, verse 18 and 19, and others are the ones that sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. This is the scariest of the three because this speaks to us in this room. You ready? Because... You've got to listen closely because these people never rejected the Word of God. They walked as Christians. They sang to Jesus. They come to church. They even have the Christian T-shirt. They have a K-Love tattoo on their lower back, right? Positive music, K-Love, right? Yet the cares of life, money, retirement, man's approval, security, sex, Pleasures fitting in and worries over the years slowly begin to choke out the life of God in us, proving our life to be unfruitful. This hit me this week pretty heavy because I was just checking myself. I was like, John, where are you? Because I find myself being obedient to God, but also wanting everything else like I deserve it. Have you ever, like, like if, if you've been Christian long enough, when bad things happen, we blame God for things. Because we are like we say things like, like, I've been obedient all this time. You owe me. I know we don't mean it, or we might not say it that way, but the way we respond is very much that way. We get mad at God because you owe me. You know how good I've been? You owe me. And it proves, and it shows, it shines a light on the darkness of our heart. Because that shows that you weren't after God. You were after God's blessings. I know I'm digging digging the hole here, digging deep, because I, I need us to. And when we get to a place where, and, and, and it comes out in so many different ways, and you get mad at God, and, or you just start worrying about things so much, because our worry shows where we put our faith into. But I'm saying, at some point, are we after God, or are we after God's blessings. And it was hitting me this week because I was wanting everything else. In my life, I wanted to be obedient, but I wanted the money, the possessions, the security more and more. And here's the question for us. Has your chase and has my chase for this life, its pleasures, its cares, rendered our faith fruitless? Is Jesus being choked out of your life? The fire that you once had for him burning low. The relationship that you once had with God feeling distant. The passion that once consumed you is just a shadow of your former self. Is your life, is my life fruitful? I'm not saying is it good? Do you know a bunch of verses? Do you come to church? Is your life fruitful? Does it make a difference in eternity? Some people today... They say, yes, I follow Jesus, but it's on my own terms, if you would be honest. We tell, Jesus, we tell God our plans and where he fits in our lives. And let me tell you, that's like my five-year-old telling me, Dad, I'm the boss. I tell you what to do, Dad. Right? I don't, if you have a five-year-old, that's what they say. All right? I tell you what to do. I, I tell you what I want to eat, Dad. And it's cute for a five-year-old, but I'm telling you, it's not cute when you're 20. It's not cute when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. It doesn't get cute anymore. I'm telling you, is your life making a difference in eternity? Or is your faith being choked out? And if it is, soon it will die. And this is the scariest part. You won't even know it. That third group did not even know that their faith was choked out. And it was so heavy just thinking about this all through the week and praying for you guys and i'm praying that it shocks you it stuns you and you wonder within yourself god is this me then there's a final response mark 4:20 it says but these are the ones sown in good ground those who hear the word accept it bear fruit some 30fold 60fold and 100 there are three marks of good soil And if you have a phone or if you're taking notes, take these down. Three marks you can see in good soil. You hear the, number one, you hear the word of God and you accept it. Accept means you embrace it. Even though it's hard, you obey it. You begin to look through your own life through a different lens, a different hope, a different mission, and a different dream. If your life, hope, mission, and dream is the same as everyone else's, check yourself. Come on check yourself. In the 90s, Ice Cube said, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? I'm telling you right now, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because if it's just, you're not embracing it if, it, if it's not going, if your mission is not the same, it's the same as everyone else, there's a problem. Repentance should not be a stranger to you, you you repent not because you feel bad you repent because you, you understand it dishonors god and you don't want anything to dishonor god because it's not about you right Because when we take on this seed, we don't repent because we think something is, uh, I don't feel good, I need to get the sin out of here, I want to clean myself up. Repentance is about cleaning yourself up. The biggest part of repentance is your heart wants to be right with God. You want to be right with your maker. You don't want to dishonor God in any way, shape, or form in your life. That's the heart of repentance. That is the gospel repentance. Number two, you bear fruit. Galatians 5, 22 23, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Read that with me. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against their, these things, there's no law. Just think about that. Are these things in your life, do you have love for a stranger? Is that evident in your life? Do you have joys during trials? Is there peace in chaos, patience in, self, in suffering? Are you self-controlled within your anger, with your word and your thoughts? And then we, I, and this is what I used to say, oh, it's just my personality, I'm just that way. I always give myself an out and then you see it in other people and you're like, I can't believe they talk that way, right? It's funny. You give yourself an out, but, oh, it's just my personality. It's just the way I grew up. I grew up on the East Coast. I'm just this way, right? Yeah. I grew up in Chicago, whatever. You know, I'm just this way, right? But then, but, but then when the word of God speaks to us, do we ignore it or do we dig down deep and we let that go deep within our hearts? And lastly, number three, the fruit increases 30, 60, 100 fold. Is our walk with God ever increasing? Is the fruit of your life multiplying? The hunger for God swelling? Are you growing? Are you growing? That's an easy question, and you know the answer immediately. You don't need to make anything up. You know if you're growing or you're not growing. You know if the fruit is growing in your life or not growing. Are you growing? Is your faith not a ritual but relational? Knowing Jesus is not just important but imperative, prayer is alive and tearful. When's the last time you cried in in prayer? When's the last moment where it was so real in prayer that it just broke you and you needed it and you just needed to be with God for a moment? Is worship more than singing? It's an overflow of gratefulness, understanding that grace is amazing. Is grace still amazing in your life? Or is it something that just comes because you know Jesus? Is grace amazing? Is it passion infused? You don't worry all the time because you trust God, that he's God, he's good, he's in control, and it's not about you, and you've never been in control anyway. We could point that out all day long, right? You trust him with your life, your kids, your finances, your future. You have a bigger view of your own darkness and sinfulness. This is so big for me. The the deeper you go with Jesus, the greater you understand your own darkness, your own sinfulness. If you can point out other people's sinfulness and you can't see your own and you become, you start doing this us, them thing, I start doing us, them. I always do us, them. And I'm like, dear God, John, can't you see your own darkness? Can't you see that them is you made in the image of Christ in need of God's mercy, in need of God's grace that you can't point them out and say, look at their life. You don't know what they've been through. When you hear their story, it changes the way you think. I'm telling you, these things are so important. Do you have a bigger view of your own darkness? You, lo- you have love for the broken and the needy, not a thing we do once a month at urban outreach, but it's, it's who you are. It's who you must be. You see people in the image of God, in need of grace just like us is our fruit ever let's stand on your seeds there's a little package of seeds don't open them now because it's a mess they're mustard seeds and I thank thank all the guys for putting that together but these seeds just represent the the word of God in your hand and listen we all have the seed of God's word and there's a lot at stake today what you do, not with the seed that is in your hand, but the Word of God that is represented in your life. We can either say just like the beginning, good message John, I, I heard you that was good hey, you, you can say, oh, amen John, that was a great message, it was my favorite of, of the bunch, and then go home and watch football and live as life as usual, or you can really wrestle with which one of those soils represents you. Let's bow our heads. I was wrestling all week, which represents me, God. Am I the second soil that one day will reject Jesus? Am I the third soil that the word of Jesus is being choked out in my life and one day it will die and I won't even know it? Or am I the fourth soil that says, I need more of you. I know where I'm at. I need to dig down deep. Some of us today, I believe we need to fall on our knees and repent. And I I don't care who's around. Some of us today in this room, we just need to fall down because we know where we're at. And we need to get back to the feet of Jesus humbly, break our hardened hearts, flipping everything from the inside out. Hosea ten twelve says, break up the unplowed ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. The word is in your hand. How deep it goes is up to you. I say to you, dig down deep. Heavenly Father, I pray in this room, Lord God, take a moment, just sing Amazing Grace one more time, Jen. And you guys just think about who you are, where you are. start asking God, God, I repent not because of my darkness, I repent because I want to stand right with you,
1: God.
4: My chains are gone. this room, and you are the second or the third soil, and you know it, I want you to just respond to Christ today. With all with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you know you're the second and the third soil, I just need you to raise your hand and respond. It doesn't matter. Who cares who's around you? God, I respond to Jesus. I don't want to just go home like, like it's usual. God, I pray you change my life. I believe that I'm somewhere in that third soil, sometimes just carried away by the cares of life. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts right now, Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, we dig down deep. We let nothing hold us back from the goodness of God, of the with this all week long, Lord God, we wrestle with the Word of God, and that's how it goes deep, guys. If you're not wrestling, it's not going any deep. I pray in the name of Jesus, be with us. As we leave today, we leave with blessing, we leave with hope, not in, not in ourselves, Lord God, but in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. Take your seat, put in the Bible, and think about it all week. God bless you guys.